Hello gamers and welcome back to another episode of the Cuddle Punk Podcast. It is unseasonably warm in Chicago right now. It's October, end of October, and it's about 75 degrees for some reason, which is why once again we had to get the hottest, specifically the hottest wrestling booker and probably one of the hottest wrestlers in the city of Chicago, the booker, CEO, and owner of freelance wrestling and indie wrestling veteran, the one and only marvelous Matt Nix. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that it's like unseasonably warm. Uh, I was I left the house today expecting it to be like in the low 60s and it's like 80 degrees out. And I'm like, this is great. I mean, global warming sucks, but if we can get more 80 degree days in October, I, I'm not mad at that. We're both around the same age enough that global warming will affect us in our lifetime. It will be bad, but we'll at least have known that we will have had had these days to (laughs) like make it a little bit better. Please, please, let's try to save what we can, kids, everybody out there. (laughs) Just recycle, please. So to start off, I want to go back to the last uh, freelance wrestling event that I attended, which was Take This to Your Grave. Um, The main event was uh storm grayson versus paul london paul london legendary (laughs) wrestler gone in wwe you've seen him all over the indies and everything i I thought that uh shane mercer versus craig mitchell was going to be the most insane match of the night with the like (laughs) the fans bring the weapons fight did you have any idea what storm and paul were going to be doing for that main event no, uh, that would that that took us by surprise as well. Because if we did, we would have had the cameras ready to go uh, follow them out into the streets of Chicago. Um, but thankfully, we had a lot of people out there with like phones and and just recording clips and stuff that we were able to like kind of post to social media to be like, "Hey, this is what you missed," you know, if you were watching the live stream uh, or if you were there live and you just couldn't make it out the door. But it was wild. They fought out through the front doors. They came back in. Uh, London grabbed trash bags out of the uh, out of the garbage cans, like the pulled the trash out, tied it up around his hands, and was swinging the trash bags around like a fucking madman. Uh, and I just like laughed. I was like, "This is literal trash bag wrestling, and it's amazing." Jim Cornette would have. Yeah. I can't actually tell what Jim Cornette would have thought of that because I guess it is technically still traditional wrestling, but also it's the most <laughs> non traditional wrestling I've ever seen. Uh, He would have probably hated it, and I would have loved that. You would have loved that he hated it? Yes. If it's something that he hates, if if he hates it, then I love it. Hell yeah, (laughs) dude. On a podcast a few years ago, you mentioned how Twitter was, like, the best thing to happen to wrestling promotion and just social media in general. Obviously, that was able to be proven for you still with all of the clips from that main event between storm and paul in 2023 do you think that they are still the best way to promote wrestling events especially with x or twitter or whatever you want to call it at this point still being an absolute shit show um i think it's it's a very useful tool in promotion and promoting uh as far as just kind of like it's everybody has it everybody's on these apps everybody's scrolling through this shit so to utilize that to your advantage would be smart, obviously. But as I've gotten older and as, as you know, post pandemic and everything like that, I've, I've realized that like still like, you know, 
boots on the ground, uh, you know, going around putting posters up on, on, on poles, going into local shops in the area and kind of like talking to the business owners and just being like, Hey, we're, we're the wrestling guys that, that do stuff up the street and everybody kind of knows who we are, uh, whether or not it be us or like AAW or anybody like that's run in like Logan square. They all, they know like, Oh, wrestling happens over there. And just, I feel like it's more beneficial to, to make it more of a communal thing uh, in the, in the neighborhood, especially to kind of help, help make that grow. Cause a lot of these people that go to the shows are people that just walk there off the street that, that go to these local shops as well. So yeah, I mean like, but social media definitely still is still very helpful as far as getting it out to like a mass audience and uh, like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. I love fucking around on Instagram now, just posting weird shit on our stories and stuff to, to help promote it. Cause I feel like I do, I do what I do. You know, I'm, when I'm bored on social media, I sit there and I like, I'm just boredly going through people's stories and stuff like that. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, if if I do that, I'm sure m- most people when they're bored do the same kind of shit. I hope. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, what I'm whatever I'm doing is just wasting my time. Um, but no, it's fun to just kind of like play around on there and and just kind of see what what gains uh, interaction online and and you know I feel like that's fun too for people like for fans to kind of like interact with with brands that they like you know and freelance being like our brand you know, if people kind of interact with us on Twitter or Instagram and stuff like that, it makes it, it fun for the fans to kind of do that shit as well. You were talking about how you have shows at both Avondale Music Hall and Logan Square Auditorium. I remember you used to be Logan Square exclusive other than the Freelance Underground stuff. You're going to be back at Logan Square Auditorium for this upcoming show on Friday the 27th. When this episode drops, you should all go. It's going to be amazing. What's the reason why you guys are no longer exclusively with Logan? And why have you been doing shows at Avondale recently? Uh, they had a um, uh, Star Wars burlesque show that was kind of taking residency up at Logan Square Auditorium for most of the summer. So we kind of had to bounce around a little bit and, and find a different venues uh, to kind of try to run shows at and uh now that they're gone we're able to run back at logan square again and you know we're, we're always looking for different venues and stuff it's it's just like it's hard in the city because like there's only so many venues that are big enough to host a wrestling event that don't cost so much because a lot of the venues in chicago like it just, are just you know really expensive venues so you know like like logan square is, is kind of always going to be our home base for sure but like we still have Avondale in our back pocket, you know, we still do our shows at the uh, Emporium in Logan Square as well. So, I mean, like, we're, we're always looking to, to kind of expand and, and I guess look for different places to do shows. For some reason, so, I thought I thought I had overheard, like, at the last show that I was at, at Take This to Your Grave, that there was something about, like, property damage or something. Because I remember the first show for Freelance that I ever went to, Purple Poppy's Birthday Bash. That was a relatively, <laughs> like, blood-free show. And oh, yeah. you compare that to Take This to Your Grave, where the tag team matches, they're getting cut open. One of the guys in the tag team match smeared his blood on me. Um, again, the Shane versus Craig fight just going absolutely insane with all of those different weapons and everything. I, for some reason, thought that is Logan usually pretty okay with, like, blood kind of stuff with, like, bleeding and wrestling? Um, as far as I know, like I've never, I've never really gotten any 
flack one way or another. You know, they, it just kind of, I guess we've just never really done blood that much at freelance. And, and it's just like when we do, when it does happen, it kind of, it's just like, Oh shit. Like there's blood happening, but um, no, like, there's never really been anybody. Nobody said ever said anything specific. It's always been, it was the, ch- his chairs. Saul would always just bitch about like, don't fuck with my chairs. Don't break my chairs. Um, that, and then it was the floors. Like, cause they, the, the floors were always getting scratched up and shit, but no, that was pretty much it. Why are so many Chicago venues like up several flights of stairs? I'm always, whenever I'm at like house of blues or whatever, I always feel like the floor is going to completely collapse under me. Oh, you, you are not kidding. And it is, you know, it is kind of weird now that you think about that. Like the only other venues like Avondale was nice because it was on the on the ground floor. Emporium's nice because it's, it's like that. Irving Hall was was on the floor, but yeah, mo- like any other time we we've run anywhere, it's like up a flight of stairs. Like Logan, thank God we don't have to bring the ring up there. We used to have to bring the ring up those stairs every single show, like all the way up from the street. Now we have a ring that gets that's left up upstairs, so it's a lot easier to do the to set up and tear down. And before before when we first started running there. We didn't have like a wrestling school or any like students or anything to help like do the setup and shit. So it was always like me and then like the ring crew there at like three o'clock on a Friday, like lugging the ring up the stairs. Uh, Man, it was it was rough. (laughs) Is the ring crew mostly the underground kids? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of the the freelance academy students. And uh, sometimes there's like people that like are coming in to try to like get on the shows and stuff. They'll come and help out and like help set up and uh, usually get on like the pre-shows and stuff like that. In 2019 was a very big year for you, both with that. I mentioned that podcast that I heard you on earlier. You faced off against Mr. Cody Rhodes on the ninth ever episode of AEW Dynamite. It seems like freelance and, AEW always have like something of a mutually beneficial relationship. I remember I was at the uh, CM Punk versus MJF one, technically one and two, I guess dynamite in February of last year. Um, You saw the big freelance like sign in the front row. I think Frank was there at some point, obviously Chicago is such an AEW town. How has AEW's rise impacted freelance? It's definitely helped in the sense that like a lot of a lot of wrestlers that have that have come through freelance have also gone through to wrestle on you know wrestle for AEW and uh you know by by them getting a bigger getting exposed to a bigger audience uh by proxy uh they love to help you know promote and share you know the places that they came from so by them sharing uh you know stuff from us or if we'd ever bring you know bring in somebody from AEW on our shows or whenever our wrestlers get, you know, booked on like Ring of Honor now or used to be AEW Dark and stuff. Like that was like super cool. Like especially Dark when it was on like YouTube and stuff. It was su- super cool like for like just showcasing like indie guys that and gals that would get a shot a shot like just on a massive platform. Uh, whether it be just like a quick squash match or like, you know, doing an actual like good showcase and stuff. But that's like good footage to be like, hey, I wrestled on AEW and like here's like a good example of like what I can do. And that's like 
super valuable to like not just not just freelance and stuff and our guys but any of the indie guys that come that come up and get a chance to to go through there so like AEW definitely helped uh i feel like not like helped like like elevate the indies a little bit but like they definitely added a little uh fertilizer to help it grow if that makes any sense <laughs> kind of ramble a little bit you're all good. What is this show? If not, we're on a podcast, my guy. Rambling is the entire point of this. That's oh yeah. That's all. When I used to do my podcast, I know, it's mostly just me rambling. God, that's why I had to stop because <laughs> I just ramble on forever. Speaking of podcasts, I really recently listened to uh, Robert Ego Anthony's podcast about leaving freelance. What, in your opinion, did Ego's reign? mean for freelance and also could you explain to the viewers not necessarily familiar with uh the great state of illinois why joliet sucks uh for those who don't know every time ego comes out whether i've seen him at freelance or when he showed up at gcw one time uh the entire crowd starts chanting joliet sucks joliet sucks joliet sucks (laughs) um well have have you been to joliet i have i've only been to the rialto but I mean, the Rialto's fine, but I imagine it sucks very bad. It's kind of just like, like it's it's far enough from the city that it's like kind of rural a little bit, but it's close enough to where it's like still kind of not urban, but like suburby. So it's kind of like a, this mixture of like like suburbs and rural, and everyone's kind of just like, oh yeah, it's like crackhead, like like southern town over there joliet that's how it always felt like for us growing up i grew up on the south side of chicago but joliet's just so far i'm just like eh, it's like barely chicago if that's um, the case why do you do so much well, freelance underground it seems like it's ex- ex- exclusively out of joliet i don't they love joliet for some reason <laughs> <laughs> so are you not the booker but, for underground i don't know no. i do freelance and freelance underground are tech are actually two different companies um that they but those who don't know freelance is essentially uh freelance underground is essentially freelance wrestling's nxt where it's like their developmental program yeah yeah basically but the guy the guy who runs the guy guy who runs freelance underground is uh james russo and uh he actually helps me run freelance as well now too so we kind of, uh, we all work together, but like Freelance Underground, he kind of does his own thing with that. Freelance Wrestling, uh, he just kind of helps me with that. It feels like Ego was just champion of Freelance for the longest time. Plus you combine that with the Legacy Championship as well. I mean, how important was Ego Anthony's reign to Freelance? Oh yeah. I mean, it was super cool because like Rob, Rob has always been like, one of my favorite wrestlers i always tell him that too and he like i feel like he probably is like yeah whatever i don't believe you but like like when i was growing up like as a teenager going to indie wrestling shows like especially like those ring of honor shows in the early mid 2000s and a lot of like the local talent would get uh to wrestle on like the pre-shows there or like get used on like the dark matches rob was there as egotistico fantastico and we'd always just like he was just like like good he like and we always like loved him because he was like a local dude 
and uh, just like following his career as 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 he went, you know, to sign with WWE, get released, you know, then he like, you know, when he was CZW champion for a while, like, uh, and then when I started like getting into wrestling and getting booked on shows that he was on, I was like, oh shit, like it made me feel like I was like, you know, oh, I'm 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 going in the right direction because like I'm on shows with Robert Anthony because Robert Anthony wouldn't be on bad shows. Um, so like, and it was, it was like the first kind of t- time I ever felt like not starstruck, but like, oh shit, like this is like a dude that I used to like, like actively watch and go to shows to see. And now we're like sharing a locker room. And, uh, I, and he always like was super hel- helpful with us. Like when we were first coming up and when I started wrestling at resistance pro wrestling, uh, Billy Corgan's old company in, in Chicago, Rob was kind of one of the top guys there. And so it was really nice and cool to like kind of, you know, work closer with him in that aspect and learn a lot from him. And when I started freelance and had the opportunity to book him, I was like, dude, like, like I would love to have you come, come over here. And for the longest time, like he was like, he, it, it's funny because he came in as a, as a heel initially and in freelance when we were still wrestling at the Abbey pub uh, and just like, would talk so much shit on the mic and just like say he would just like berate the crowd so much that eventually the crowd just started cheering him. And then eventually he became our biggest baby face. But yeah, no, like it's Rob's been such a big help with freelance and he like puts so much like passion and like effort into like every, like the stories that he's like involved in and like whether it was him wrestling with Kylie Ray or, you know, him with Frank, you know, like doing his, his double champion run or like, you know, this story that he did with, uh, you know, Storm Grayson helping elevate him as well. Like he did so much to help the roster and like the show itself. Like, you know, I, there wasn't much more he could he could have done at the end of, of his run there, you know. Very long reign. I would argue that one of the things you left out about his reign was, in my opinion, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. You turned Mick Foley heel during <laughs> fucking oh, yeah. during Robert Ego Anthony's reign was the intention going into that to turn Foley heel because Mick Foley has never been a heel throughout the entirety of his wrestling career like before WWE back when he was in Japan back when he was doing like just the indie type stuff he's never been heel and he turned heel facing <laughs> arguably maybe the biggest heel that you guys have ever had in ego anthony was the intention going in to turn fully heel uh the idea was pitched and then we were like well if he's down for it like nobody would see it coming it definitely shocked people it was pretty cool it was it was really cool just to have him there like he's such a nice guy and i felt so bad though because if you were were you at that show i wasn't at that show no the show that i was at was effie versus um uh ego Oh, okay. That sh- well, that show specifically that with Foley was at was so hot, and it gets really, really hot in that building. Uh, for anybody that's never been inside Logan Square Auditorium, especially in the warmer months, it gets really, really warm in there. And like, I felt really bad for Foley because he was just like, it was too hot upstairs, and so we had him like sitting downstairs, like behind in gorilla position the whole night just feeding them waters and stuff because it was hot and i'm like i'm sorry dude like the ac is technically on but like you wouldn't be able to tell 
How many times did you make Mick Foley walk up those Logan Square Auditorium stairs? That's well. That's why he he ended up sitting downstairs. So I'm like, dude, can't make you keep going up and down. Like he the only he went he went up to get inside the building and he went down to get out. And that was pretty much it. Okay, thank God. I can't yeah, with his putting... with his knees. Oh God, exactly. Making the man who got put off of and then through hell in a cell by the undertaker making him go up and down those stairs more than once or twice like that's i think that counts as elder abuse actually <laughs> yeah going back to your match in aw for a second like i said you faced off of against cody rhodes who is now probably the top baby face in wwe do you feel as though, like, let's go through your feelings like before and after the match and everything. And now, four years later, with Cody being so up in WWE, do you, like, feel as though you played a small part in Cody's ascension to superstardom? <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Uh, it's a know, jerkish he... way to ask that question, but it's also the <laughs> only way that I could really get it across. No, 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 no. I understand. Uh, no, dude, like, Cody's... Cody's so fucking awesome. Um, and I felt like where he is now, I feel like is what he was destined to become. I mean, it was, it's, it's how he's always presented himself. It's how he's always believed that he was. And he always was so consistent with that. His presentation of like how he, it's just like a star. And, he, and, you know, getting the opportunity to share the ring with him was was awesome. Like, it totally took me by surprise that day. Like, didn't didn't uh, didn't expect that when I showed up that day to do extra work. Um, but it was super cool. It was an incredible opportunity. And uh, it got it got freelance over a little bit. So that was pretty cool. Um, you have your gear you with you when you were heading over there if you were going to be doing extra work. Yeah, yeah, I always, like, whenever we go over there, we bring, like, they tell you just, like, dress, like, bring, like, normal black uh, dress clothes, uh, but bring your gear, you know, just in case. You never know, you know, what they might need you for. And, you know, had I known that there was any possibility of being on television, my fucking, I would have gotten my hair cut and, like, made it look nice. And I just show up looking like a slob, and they're just like, oh, yeah, you're going to wrestle Cody tonight. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And they were just like, no, no, we're serious. That's what's happening. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, cool. And so he comes, he comes over like later on and look, and I've met, I've met him a couple times too, from like working at pro wrestling tees. Like he knows, he knows who I am as like one of Brian's guys. Uh, so he was like, Hey, like, what's up, dude? Like, you know, kind of told me like, Hey, this is what, what's going down. This is what the match is going to be. And he's just like, is that cool? Like, is, are you okay with that? And I'm like, the fuck? I was like, this is your show, motherfucker. Like, I'm, I'm cool with whatever you need me to do. Like, I'm, I'm down. And he was kind of just like, okay, cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Like, thanking me for some reason. Just being like, oh, I remember him being like, oh, are you, is this uh, the biggest crowd uh, you've ever wrestled in front of? And I'm like, like, man, this is probably the biggest crowd I'll ever wrestle in front of. And uh, he's like, are you nervous at all? And I'm like, not really. I was like, because like, my, my vision's so bad. I was like, if I take my glasses off, I can't really see anybody past the ring ropes anyway. So it all looks like a big blur, uh, which I guess works to my advantage. I never really get like, I've never, I've honestly never gotten like stage fright, like being in the ring or anything like that. It's just kind of like second nature. Um, 
but yeah, like we go out, we go out there during, uh, or I go out there during the commercial break and stuff. And my whole, like co- all my coworkers and stuff were sitting ringside and none of them knew that I was wrestling. I didn't tell them. And so I come out like down the, down the side there and they're like, what the fuck? Like the only thing, the only time I ever felt like butterflies was when he started making his entrance and there's like fire pyro coming out and it was like, and I could feel the heat from the pyro all the way by the ringside from the entranceway and like feeling that heat. I was like, Oh shit. Like that's when it like really sunk in. I was like, Oh, this is like really happening, but it was super fucking easy and like fun. And I, I, I kind of got scared at one point cause we were, we circled in the, in the beginning of the match and the crowd is chanting freelance wrestling like during the the beginning of the match and he kind of he stops and he kind of like does like a little look around and i kind of like stop and i'm like he like looks at me kind of like gives me a little smirk and i'm like oh shit and then we do the whole match or whatever and then uh like afterwards he was just like man freelance uh pretty over in chicago huh and i was like yeah i guess so uh and so i was like that's pretty cool like you know really cool that that like the you know that that alone like doing the match itself is like whatever like that's cool but like to see like people that i that i don't even know like to just know of this like silly little wrestling company that i made up one day uh kind of give it like its props on a large scale like on a national program like that uh is like that that to me means more than anything like that's the coolest thing that'll that'll probably ever happen to me in wrestling is like having those moments like that it's the coolest thing ever to see you in the ring with the person who is now the top baby face in the biggest wrestling company in the world. Speaking of freelance and WWE, I think it was last month we unfortunately saw the WWE release of former freelance wrestling champion Mustafa Ali. What was your reaction when you saw that Mustafa had been released from WWE? And do you have a favorite moment from him both in freelance and in wwe my reaction when i saw the the news i was kind of like fuck like because especially like i know how hard he how hard he works to like make something out of nothing like he you know a lot of guys that are on on the payroll there they're very content with just getting paid to sit sit and do nothing but he wants to work he wants to do this he wants to do that so he's constantly like pitching ideas filming his own vignettes, doing this, doing that, and being like, here, like, and, and honestly never really getting any kind of like, you know, respect for it. Um, And they had just moved him to NXT and they were actually like using him in matches where I'm like, cool, like they're going to like, he's going to get a chance to like wrestle and like be put in these really good programs with guys and like help build up the next generation. Cause I know that means a lot to him as well. Um, and then just kind of seeing that, like, oh, like Mustafa Ali's released, and it's just like, fuck. It was a, kind of like a kick in the balls. But, you know, knowing him and knowing how hard he works and how much he loves wrestling, um, you know, I'm very excited to kind of see what, what he's going to do next in, in, in wrestling because you know he's not going to be done. It really feels like the big moment that he was supposed to have, like, got it really it just sucks that it was an injury that got him taken out of elimination chamber in 2019 like it feels like that was going to be the big moment for him and obviously it was great for Kofi Kingston but yeah. to have Mustafa Ali be the one to 
take the championship off of Danielson at WrestleMania. That would have been huge. That I was just going to say that would probably that was probably going to be my my favorite moment. Not not the injury, but him him being in that spot, like being so like presented in such a a, a, a way on their programming as like an actual threat to the championship, you know, for somebody that like, not only is this like, Oh, cause it's my friend or like, you know, somebody that, you know, is from Chicago, but like, just this like, you know, you know, a person of color, you know, a smaller guy, you know, a guy that, you know, didn't really get a lot of opportunities, like, you know, getting that, that, that those chances at, at a championship match is like, you know, really important, I think for, for a lot of people. And, for me, especially, I, I love to see it. And it's his favorite, my favorite moment of him in freelance. Honestly, I, I, this is kind of this is kind of a cop out moment because it's it's. I feel like it's everybody's favorite moment in freelance. And I'll set the, I'll set the stage for you. This is the freelance second year, second or third year anniversary show. It's at the Bottom Lounge uh, in in Chicago for anybody who's been to the bottom lounge, one of my favorite music venues, but it was the, the, the opening match of the show was a scramble match where the winner of the scramble would face Isaiah Velasquez in the main event for the freelance world championship. Now the scramble, I believe it was, it was Mustafa Ali, Alex Olson, Nick Brubaker, Suge D, Craig Mitchell, and GPA. So that's like a, a pretty wild scramble match to begin with. Uh, but Mustafa Ali wins the match. Uh, crazy scramble. Uh, goes on into the main event to wrestle Isaiah Velasquez for the world championship. And and this is shit that you can't plan for. You can't write this. It's just it's just what happens. It happens. Um, so they have this incredible match to main event this show. Probably one of my favorite matches I've ever, I've ever seen live. Definitely one of the best in freelance history. But Ali beats... Isaiah for the freelance championship on a backslide pin out of nowhere at what was it? It was like 12, whatever the time was when he lost the championship, Isaiah's reign as champion was 364 days and 59 minutes. So it was like he got pinned a minute before midnight and had it been had midnight struck it would have been a full 365 days as, as champion. And Ali pinned him a minute before midnight to win the championship. And it was just like, when that, when all the, when the realization of that, of everything that kind of happened all at once, we were just like, holy shit. It's just like, you, it gives you goosebumps for like just storytelling, you know, that's stuff that you hear about in movies. That's something that you can't even like, I couldn't eat. It's something that you could write about, but it would be like so difficult to try to make that happen the fact that it just happened like that organically that's that's one that's easily one of the greatest moments at in probably wrestling history I can't <laughs> yeah th- that's a that's just a picture perfect moment that you can't possibly you couldn't possibly recreate anything like that <laughs> yeah no it's it's awesome like and it was it's it's the stuff like that that like makes me like because like Wrestling, like wrestling's awesome. I love wrestling. I love freelance. I love what we do. But sometimes it fucking takes a toll. It takes a toll on your mental health. It takes a toll on your physical well-being. But like, it's those moments like that that really make it so worth it. Because you're just like, fuck. Like that was so good. Like, oh, love it. In June of 2021, you stepped away from freelance uh, and wrestling as a whole. You cited a like 
you cited specifically a lack of passion. You would end up returning to the ring at Freelance's Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die event. Also, love the emo names that keep coming up in Freelance. Like, that's my absolute shit right there. <laughs> what was it that gave you your passion back to step into the ring again? Um, I, It really kind of was just like, I, I it ultimately just really got burnt out on on wrestling as a whole um for the longest time like you know i've been at this point i've been wrestling for 13 years uh freelance will have been around for this june this coming june will be our 10 year anniversary and i've been re- i've been working at pro wrestling tees for 10 years as well so like in in every aspect of my life wrestling has been so like just it's all wrestling all the time. And it just kind of like, it really took its toll. And I just like, I don't want to say I didn't care about it anymore, but it was just like, I, different things in my life kind of took priority. And uh, I was like, you know fair, what? This is around when I had started watching wrestling for the first time. I didn't start watching wrestling until December of 2020 when I was 22. In June of 2021, like, WWE is still in the Thunderdome. Uh, AEW is still in Daly's place. Like, there's not a ton of like really super interesting stuff going on at that point in wrestling, even on like the biggest shows. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it just was like, and and coupled with like the the dealing with the the effects of the pandemic, uh, it took a toll on like not even just myself, but like a lot of people's mental health. You know, I needed, I think I needed just time to, to kind of step back and, and kind of figure out what I needed in my life first. And it took me a little bit of time, but actually getting away from wrestling for such a long time, I got, I fell back in love with baseball. You know, I was going to a lot of baseball games and then just slowly started like watching wrestling on TV again. And cause at that point I was like very much like, I think I might just be like out of wrestling for good. Like, and I'm, and I was okay with it. Like I was totally content. Um, cause I was like, I didn't want to do it or be around it if I fucking like hated it. Cause at that point it's just like, what is the point of being, doing it? You know, it's just, so I was like, I, I started watching wrestling again. And then like, I would still go to the freelance shows and like, I, I had like, I have a great, excellent support system with you know with people helping with freelance and now like it used to be used to be me just doing everything by myself and just like hating my life um but now i have people that help me uh do it and i and i hate my life but uh but no it's it's been great now and um you know like to kind of have that love for wrestling back again is has been important because like and honestly seeing and seeing the students like come up in the wrestling school like kind of have that like passion and just like they're all super like just like excited for any show that they're on and just like and, it, and and to me it's like i miss that feeling because to me i'm like so jaded and just like uh it's just like oh this is this little show here at this place whatever like i don't even care like you know i remember the days when i like first started wrestling and i was just like holy shit i can't believe i got booked on a show like this is amazing like i'm gonna go out there and fucking kill it like and I and I'm like I just miss having that feeling and you know like see these kids having it and it kind of like sparked my love for wrestling again and I'm just like yeah fuck yeah man like I don't know if I'm gonna be going out there and like trying to like kill it every single time like that's 
that's that's for them to do but like it, it feels good to be involved and like and to kind of see the growth of everything and and everybody else around it unfortunately i have not been able to see you wrestle but i have been able to see you come out when you came out at purple poppy's birthday bash coming out in all of your purple rain glory when we come back after this break Marvelous Matt Nix and I will be ranking every single song on Prince's Purple Rain from worst to best. Stick around. We'll be right back with the Cuddle Punk Podcast. Welcome back to the Cuddle Punk Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Vex, the dumbest girl alive. I am here once again with Marvelous Matt Nix, owner, founder, and CEO of Freelance Wrestling. Every single match and every single time that Marvelous Matt Nix comes to the ring is always accompanied by the beautiful sounds of Prince's Purple Rain. Today, he and I are going to be ranking every single song on Prince's Purple Rain. Obviously, (laughs) this is the lowest stakes undertaking. We are completely qualified to discuss one of the greatest albums of all time. I have my list. Matt has his list. We're going to go through each, each song on the record individually from the very top, and we are going to arrange them worst to best. And once we're done, we will have our full list together. Matt, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's go. All righty. The very first song on the record, Let's Go Crazy. Now, obviously, it's a fantastic song. Obviously, it's one of the best songs probably ever made. Easily one of the best singles maybe ever made. I personally have Let's Go Crazy at number five. I'll put it, I'll put it at, at fourth best. Uh, okay. This was very, very close was almost my wrestling theme song but i felt like it didn't it just didn't fit right but purple purple rain had definitely ended up becoming it i do think that purple rain is probably like just with the whole like purple tuxedo getup that you have coming out to the ring when you're not in your ring gear and then just all of the purple on your ring gear i do think that purple rain works a bit better i'm willing to bump that song up to number four i think my only thing with let's go crazy is i have been to a lot of show like events in chicago where cover bands have played and i've oh, seen yeah. a lot of cover bands just absolutely massacre let's go crazy no oh that's that's fun though i love a good bad i love a good bad cover band it's a fun time. It's a fun time. It's 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 fun when it's actually bad, and it's fun when it's actually good. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's just pretty mediocre, which is the yeah. worst thing that you can do for Let's Go Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the second song on Purple Rain, Take Me With You. I had this one all the way at the bottom at number nine. Yeah, that's that's probably where I would put it, too. A lot of times I feel like track twos on uh, on albums are either like I was just talking about this with somebody recently, actually, the uh, that the albums open up with something like intro E, like melancholy. And then number track number two is the first like boom, like first big hit song. Um, or it's like you start off with something really hot and then track two is like, all right, we're going to bring it down. Putting anything behind Let's Go Crazy is going to be hard when you're going for when you have Let's Go Crazy, which is just so busting the door down immediately but having take me with you come after it, i think it it hurts take me with you a lot and i think yeah i think we can agree that take me with you is probably at number nine number three on purple rain the beautiful ones i don't know i don't know where i would put this Maybe... i had this one at number six like it's i this is the last like song that i really think is like an amazing song on purple rain I think that like everything after this is they're great songs, but they're not 
at the level of everything else on the list. I think that be- beautiful ones I had at number six because it is like the least good of the perfect songs. I'll probably put this at number eight for me because this is usually this is usually a skip one for me when I'm listening to this. Do you want to go with number seven? Split it down the middle? Yeah, let's do that. Number four on Purple Rain, Computer Blue. I had this one at number seven. The first part of it makes you think that you're in for this, like that you're actually going to let like his backup singers like have a little bit more to do on the song. And then it kind of just goes into a straight instrumental, which is great. But I feel like the beginning of the song leads into like it, it teases way more <laughs> than it ends up giving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I would probably put this one next song. One of the most influential songs probably in music history, given that it was this song that started the PMRC hearings, darling Nikki. I have this song at number two. Ooh, this was my number three, but Mm. I fucking love this song. This song is amazing. This is Prince at his like probably dirtiest, like just the most, (laughs) like I met this woman. She was here to fuck and nothing else left out the door by the time I woke up the next morning. It's going, you are going to hear everything that that entails in that short story in this one song lyrically and instrumentally it's a one night stand personified yes 100 <laughs> percent. do you want to do two or three for this one um i can make the argument for number three or sorry okay. uh, for number two we can put it at two number two yeah i think i think i'm gonna put this one at number two personally like i think i'm gonna we stick with mine and i'm gonna put it at number two we'll put it at two i don't even know what to say about when doves cry like it's amazing <laughs> I have it at number three just because there's one more song that I think is number one, but I like it's when doves cry. When doves cry, I have, have at my number one. Gotcha. Personally, personally. In that case, what we're going to do is we're going to, the next song is my number one, which is I Would Die for You. So, oh, interesting. I, it's as simple as glitchy, fun, bouncy, punchy song, make brain go good. Like, yeah. that's as simple as it is. It, like, that beat is just undeniable. But that's sometimes, that's, like, perfect. That's what you need. Exactly. I would, I totally understand why When Doves Cry would be your number one. I totally understand why I Would Die For You would be your number one. It sucks that we put Darling Nikki at number two because mm. we then have to decide which one is going at number three and which one is going at number one. I, I think I might give it to you. And I probably will put When Doves Cry at number one, just because of the iconicness of it all. Whereas I feel like mine is kind of a hipster pick for this album in terms of singles. I think that's fair too. Whatever. Yeah, let's do that then. When Doves Cry is number one. I Would Die For You is number three. Number eight on the album, Baby I'm A Star. Um, We have five and six available. So I think five? we kind of know what we have to do. Oh, this is, yeah. Are we going to say that Baby I'm a Star is a better song than Purple Rain? No, it's definitely not. Um, Yeah, I guess this is six and then Purple Rain would be five. Yeah. So so what's our order then? Because that sounds, We're gonna, that sounds, I like if it's going to piss people off. That's going to be fun. Absolutely. So our list is, and we can like switch off anything because we're at the end of it now. We have, Going from worst to best, we have Take Me With You, Computer Blue, 
Beautiful Ones, Baby I'm a Star, Purple Rain, Let's Go Crazy, I Would Die For You, Darling Nikki, and When Doves Cry at number one. Yes. That's Is there a pretty anything solid that you want to change? That's no, a pretty solid I ranking. Think, I don't I, I like think it's... I'm good with that. Last question for you. This Friday, as we are recording this, the day that this episode drops, Freelance's next event will be happening, Dead by Dawn. What is the match that you're most looking forward to on that card? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, obviously, the main event, Storm Grayson defending the championship against Effie is going to be incredible. Uh, Effie is the that... only indie wrestler that I've shown my mom that she really likes. Really? Effie, Effie transcends all wrestling fandom, all fandoms in general. If you're a fan of any kind of thing, you are automatically a fan of Effie. Uh, that's just, I don't make the rules. That's just how it is. You're absolutely um, right. But I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Jordan Oliver and Coda Hernandez. That's probably going to be the fucking show stealer for sure. Uh, Shaza and Zia Brookside is going to be awesome. Uh, we had Zia Brookside in before she was signed with WWE. Uh, she came in and wrestled Kylie Ray on a, on a show uh, a couple of years ago. So it's going to be awesome to have her back. Gosh, and the, the tag team championships. Uh, Laney and GPA are defending against uh, Heather Monroe and David Ali. That's going to be a fucking awesome match as well. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really excited for we're doing a costume contest uh, that I'll be hosting with uh, Jason Midas. So uh, come to the show, come dressed up, uh, and uh, the winning the winning person will win two ringside tickets. Uh, to our December uh, event coming up at the end of the year. Tickets, at least at the time of recording this, are still on sale for Freelance Dead by Dawn. I believe they are all standing room only at this point. It's GA, but there have been front row tickets sold already, and there have been second row tickets sold already, so it's going to be all standing room only. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to be there. Come out tonight if you're going to, if you like wrestling, if you like Halloween. Marvelous Matt Nix, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Cuddle Punk Podcast. Where can people find you? Hey, thanks so much for uh, for having me. Uh, yeah, and, and also tickets are available at the door tonight, too. So if you guys want to come through, please come through. It'll be awesome. Uh, but if you want to find me on the internet, uh, I'm pretty much at the Matt Nix, T-H-E-M-A-T-T-K-N-I-C-K-S. Uh, that's pretty much me everywhere. Uh, you can follow Freelance at Freelance Res, W-R-E-S, uh, on, on Twitter and Freelance Wrestling on Instagram. Uh, and pretty much anything else, FreelanceWrestling.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got, I guess. You can find me at Veronica underscore Vexed on Blue Sky, Twitter, and Instagram, and TikTok. The designer of the Cuddle Punk podcast logo is your Young. You can find her Instagram located in the description of this video. Our theme song is Lose a Turn by Modify. You can find Modify's information and all of her music linked in the description below as well. If you want to help support the show, you can pledge to the Cuddle Punk podcast Patreon. There is a link to that in the description of both the video and the podcast. Matt Nix, thank you so much for being on this episode. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I look forward to doing this again. Hell yeah.